Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the new season of the Railway Men podcast. Before we start the main part of the episode, I'd just like to let everyone know that we have a new competition we are running. The aim being to sponsor a crew player in the pod's name. We are looking for people to give £5 to help us achieve that aim. To help persuade you, to help us, we have a fantastic prize to give away. It's a 2020-21 shirt signed by the players. This shirt has been framed along with a picture of last season's squad, all very generously given away by our very own Tim. To enter this competition, you just need to click on the PayPal link I have written in this episode's description. Oh, and let me know which player you want us to sponsor when you enter. The player with the most votes wins. Thank you to all of you who can help us. Enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. This is going to be the first part of our second full season. So do make sure you look out for us every Monday from now on. I am joined, as ever, by two of our regular panellists, Tim Robinson and Russ Fern. Hi, you guys. Hello there. Nice to you. Nice summer, guys. Yeah, hot. Good to have football back as well. I've been to, I think, three of the six friendly so far. And uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah, loving it. Okay, so I am delighted to say that we are kicking off our second season with a guest who is a current Crew Alex player. Something of a first for us. It's Luke Murphy. Hi, Luke. Hiya, mate. You Okay. I'm great. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. So, Luke, we'll start, as we always do, uh, at the beginning. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. What's your first memory of football? And when did you become aware that you were pretty good at it? Um, I've not actually got a memory, a first memory. I just, it's probably an answer that you hear a lot from you have people that you have on here. I just remember always having a ball. Uh, with me wherever I was, whether it was um, if we were out for Sunday lunch, I'd be on my own playing with the ball, you know, from a small age. Um, at the airport, I'd be winding people up, I'm sure, kicking it against everyone's suitcases and making goals at the airport. So just things like that, really. There's not anything specific that I remember from a young age. I just know that from early on, I, I literally loved football lived it you know um couldn't get enough of it and my mum was always very supportive with that and I had good family and friends around that that you know helped along my journey with that now you're from Alsager um you're sort of in the middle of three local teams can I ask who was your who was your team when you were growing up so it growing up it was Man United when I was young young um a lot of i've got family members who are you know live around that area uh, altrincham sale um so there was a big man united connection there um obviously when i signed for crew i signed for crew quite young at the age of seven and from then on in it, it was always crew um it, it was never port vale or stoke um so, yeah, I mean, from from when I remember going that first time, um, I remember going to all the games, really, from, from that age. And, yeah, I became a fan from then, really. 
I was going to say that's the correct answer. That no, it's the truth. It was. <laughs> um, it, I mean, I grew up in uh, in Roadheath, which is obviously really near uh, Old Sager, a bit more this way um, from the Stoke area, if you like. Um, so, although there were a few Stoke and Vale fans in the village, and there were also quite a few Crew fans, it, it was quite a mixed bag, really. Um, and I, I went to primary school in Congleton, which you didn't really find many Stoke or Vale fans there either. So, you know, it was nobody, I didn't get, you know, convinced to be anything else. It was more at high school, really, that I sort of had to stick to my guns going to All Sager. You had people come from, from all over um, Staffordshire to the school, Kidsgrove and stuff. So there were, there were a few more uh, Vale and Stoke fans there, but no, I, I stayed true to the crew lads fair play especially as we discovered uh in one of our other episodes recently with graham mcgarry you know crew fan but also a bit of a port vale fan so i know he uh you've known him quite a long time haven't you i cannot believe he said that <laughs> i'll be honest here, he's never actually said that to me so um it felt no, like he wanted to tell us that on the really podcast right. like yeah <clears throat> yeah um, he, i suppose it, he's got a lot of family from that neck of the woods it's I guess it's sort of understandable a little bit, but as long as he doesn't say it too often, we're all right. <laughs> well, we've already found out Pete Morse is a Stoke fan as well, so both the comments. Yeah, what's going on here? I didn't know yeah. that either. You are, this is what? it. He's a, he's a crew lad through and through, isn't he? Yeah, he's, um, where's he from? Britain. Britain. Right. Yeah. Right. So he should be, but yeah, no, he's got family. He supports Stoke, apparently. Okay. I think there's a few Port Vale people connected, aren't there? Because Ollie Finney's a... Vale fan, I think. And... I think he's a big Vale fan, but I mean, you could you could tell that from speaking to him. <laughs> and then Kev, yeah. the uh, photographer, is a Vale fan as well, isn't he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. He told me he wears his um when crew play Vale, he wears a Vale shirt underneath his crew jacket. Does he really? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few connections over the years. Popey as well. He was he was a big Vale fan. I know he's gone on to be a, a big Vale legend there, um, and rightly so. But I, I always remember, and it, again, he didn't mean anything anything by it this was just him but he'd always wear Port Vale socks on match days and stuff I think I'm, I'm sure I'm not lying when I say that I'm sure that's a memory um but that yeah that was him and he was he was a big Vale fan um so you just mentioned Luke that you joined the academy at seven that's quite a young age how does that happen um basically it was it was a summer camp that I went to I think it was a residential course and it was at Rees Heath the college next to um, uh, receive training ground. Uh, I'm sure it was. I used to go on camps all through the week, uh, different camps all over, uh, but never really residential. So I think it was just to give my mum a bit of breathing space, you know, get me out of where I was off school. She needed to, you know, get me out of the house, etc. Um, so this was a stay over. So I, I went there. I've got vague memories of it. I went there and I remember walking into the room and I had a roommate. I'd never met before the first time I met him and it was Chris Flynn I'm not sure if you remember Flynnie he, he remember the name so Flynnie was a couple of years older than me we ended up sharing a room and getting on really well um and I think bef even before the course I think he'd actually been offered um a deal to go anyway I I hadn't. It was only on the last day we on the last day we played a game against the Centre of Excellence of Crew um, against an eleven that were 
obviously at the residential course. And um, yes, just a couple of the coaches were there. Steve Holland was there, Terry McPhillips. And I just, just think, I think I remember there was a presentation going on. I think we might have even, I can't remember if we won or not. I can't remember. I think I did okay in the game. And Steve had had a word with my mum during the game and said that he'd, he'd like me to go down and start training um, the following week with the Centre of Excellence. And, and that's how it started, really. And I, I went and that's where it started and never looked back. And Flinny, Flinny actually was there on that day. So it was, you know, obviously knowing somebody going in on that first day was nice. Uh, and Sean Miller, Sean was from the same village. So I knew him a little bit as well. He was already there. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a good setup from the start, really. So one thing um, I think I tend to hear a lot when we do these podcasts is um, the, the players that have come up from the academy that we speak to, they're always talking about the quality of coaching that was given to them from a really early age. Steve Foster was one example. He said that the coaching at Crewe was so much better than what he was getting at Man United at that young age, which is you know an incredible thing to hear. Is that something you'd agree with? Did you find that the coaching, I mean, you didn't really have anything else to go against, but was the coaching something that stood out to you? I mean, as you say, I don't, I can't compare it to anywhere else. Only from the clubs that I've been at um, since I moved on from Crew and, and looking and watching. But and this is nothing against them, obviously. But I just, I was so lucky. I really was so lucky with the the people that I had, the standard of, as you say, the standard of coaching. Uh, you know, yeah, I can't say how lucky I was to have the people. Um, coaching me from such a young age all the way up um, to youth team and then obviously the first team I think my under under eights coach or under nines coach was James Collins so he would have been young at the time but still very good um, and then I went to under 10 it was Critch uh, and then you had people Bakes, Steve would take Steve Holland would take the under 12s, Dario would take the 14s, Bakes 15. So all the way up for over the years, I had, you know, these great coaches who've obviously gone on to do great things themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I was very lucky in, in that respect. Do you think um, there's been a recent development of the coaches moving on, like the players have moved on? Um, it seems to be now that play at so that now that clubs are finding out that a coach at crew really knows their stuff. You know, you look at James Collins going to Wolves and being in charge of the under twenty ones, and then Neil Critchley, you've just mentioned, he's just got Blackpool promoted to the championship. Um, are clubs now more aware that coaches are good at crew as well as the players that are coming through the academy? Do you think? Hundred percent, I think so. I mean, yeah, it was. It wasn't really like that um, a few years ago, was it? You didn't really see that happening. Um, I think a big part of that, obviously, was Dario. Um, his reputation of being such a good coach, uh, developing players from a young age. Um, the main one for me is Steve. I think people, I think he's probably the most highly thought of um, coach to come out of crew, probably even ahead of Dario. Um, maybe so I think people have seen that and thought that they can look at crew and and um, they've obviously produced players so the coaches there have obviously got to be doing something right uh, and and look to try and pick them off and get them in on board at their their clubs um, and yeah it's happened and you know I'm so pleased to see 
nearly all of them doing so well themselves. As you said, Critch in his first year uh, as manager, you know, he took the leap of being an under-23s coach at Liverpool where he probably had, when I say an easy life, he, it probably wasn't easy because he, he probably worked his socks off, but it was a bit of a safe job and he took the plunge where he could have, it could have failed and he could have been out of a job within a couple of months and he didn't and fair play to him. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy he made that a success at Blackpool. And as you say, James at Wolves, the same. Um, got so much time for him um, and Critch. I, as, whenever I speak about them, they, they come as a pair of them too. So it's always Critch and James, James and Critch. Um, and we'll probably talk about it later on, but what they did for me, probably more, um, not necessarily football-wise, which they obviously did help me massively football-wise, but what they did, they, they moulded me as a person to a certain extent, but they took over at a certain time in my development as probably becoming a man. And they helped me a lot, uh, and I'll always be grateful for that. So, Luke, you come into the first team in 2008-2009. Um, am I right in saying your debut was uh, a rare win that season, 1-0 at home to Swindon? That's correct, yes. What's that like, coming out Questy Road, uh, a club you've been at since you were seven, and then being on the pitch with the first team? Yeah, it was... Um... <laughs> It was it was weird. It was strange. Obviously, I was delighted for it to happen. Um, if we just backtrack a little bit, I think I'd, I'd been in and around the first day. I think I was a first year pro, maybe. Um, and I think Steve was in charge. Um, and I always knew me, me and Steve had you know a, a really good relationship on and off the pitch. And I always thought if he, I, I was always safe if he was there, if you like. So when he was manager, uh, he looked after me massively and I didn't actually make my debut under him. It, it was weird. It was um, things weren't particularly going well at the time. I think we had, I think it was an FA Cup game. I can't actually remember who it was against. All the shot rings a bell, but it might not have been that. I think we lost the game. But I remember there was, a, there was five subs on the bench, but for the FA Cup, I think you were allowed seven. So I was already named on the bench. So there was another two that came late to be on the bench. And one of them was a midfield, I think it was Mark Carrington, who was also doing well at the time, um, but he wasn't involved that day. And um, I remember Steve making a sub and it was a bit frosty, the atmosphere. I think we might have been losing um, to a team that was a few leagues below us. And he brought Mark Carrington on and I didn't come on. And um, he said, look, I'm trying to protect you. I don't think it was the right time, right environment, etc." And, and that was fine. So, yeah. And then when he sort of, well, when he got the sack, Dario came back in. And I sort of thought that my, Dario always liked me, but not as much as Steve. I always knew I'd have a, a better chance if Steve was there. Dario had people that he thought could potentially do a better job. So I remember the first, game he took over I think he replaced me on the bench with Ben Ricks I think it was um, and he just said I don't think that you're ready yet um, which was fine but then I can't remember how it worked I think it must have been injuries or something I ended up on the bench uh, and funnily enough it was Dario who did actually give me my debut against Swindon like you say um, I think it was in December December time we it won was December the 13th you're spot on the 13th um, 
and yeah, it was especially to go on and to have won the game. Um, the feeling of, although I didn't contribute anything towards that victory, just the feeling in and around the change room after the game, you know, it was something that I thought, you know, I want a bit of this, I want more of this. Um, so that was a good um, first outing in, in a first team shirt. That season, though, it was a bit of a struggle and crew ended up getting relegated, didn't they, from League One back to League Two. Um, how difficult is that as a young player who's trying to make their mark in the game to come into a struggling side? Um, I mean, it was difficult in the sense that, obviously, it's it's not fun losing um, more games than you win, which was the case. Um I didn't actually, uh, I was new to the game. I was new to first team football. It probably didn't hit me as much as what it was hitting the senior players and pros. I just thought it's football. We've been relegated. We'll do well next year. We'll come back up. Uh, you, you very well, I was very naive um, as a young, a young lad coming into the game. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it affected me uh, that much. Um, there was more, there was things along the line in the season that probably affected me more than actually getting relegated at the end of that season, uh, to be honest. Do you think it's easier for a young player to make their pro debut if the team are doing well? So you've sort of got to get up to that, that speed quicker or if the team aren't doing so well, you might have less pressure? Um, don't get me wrong, I'd rather have been there and has got promoted uh, yeah. after relegated. I think it's a hard one, really, because you sort of... Uh, you sort of feel that young players coming into the game need to experience both sides of it to to know um, how each of it feels. Um, I'd probably say winning potentially would be easier, but then the the come down of when things aren't going so well because it, it always happens. It, it, there's there's so many ups and a lot more downs in football um, that you need to prepare yourself for, and if all you know um coming in is you know football being a bed of roses then you're going to be in for a big shock really which is sort of what happened to me later on in my career when I actually did move um I wanted to ask about a game in your second season you scored in the fourth minute that went on to be another nine goals uh Chesterfield five crew five right yeah yeah what was the dressing room like at the end of that game it's a real weird one because, um, and this is gonna, potentially going to sound bad towards Dario, and it, it's definitely not because he was so good at taking the pressure off the players, especially the young players. He, you know, he was a genius. Um, but you would expect there to be boots flying everywhere, shouting, screaming. It really wasn't like that from what I remember. Um, and obviously, I always remember the game because of the scoreline and was being in front. But that should really stick out in your mind as being, you know, an absolute like free for all at the end of the game, which it actually wasn't. Um, and I think the gaffer played in that game, Dave. So we often speak about that. Um, and I think he always brings up, I think Dario made a remark at half time, which <laughs> still makes us laugh to this day. I think we were three nil up at half time, if I'm not mistaken. But they I think were putting pressure on us. I think they had may have had a few chances. 
and his comment at half time was, I can see us losing this game. <laughs> and we you, were three and a lot. You were so we often laugh at half time. Yeah. Were we three, did you say? Four was, one. Yeah, four, four one. Four one at half time, was it? Right. Okay. Yeah. Four yeah, I can see I can see us losing this game. So uh, that still tickles me to this day. And he, he knows he knows his football because he, he wasn't wrong. Well, he nearly wasn't wrong anyway. Luke, if I can, um, I'm just going to jump back to something you said a second ago. Yeah. Uh, with your first season. Uh, you said there was other things to deal with in that first season. Are you talking about the manager who replaced Dario uh, in that first season there? Yeah, it was it was it was tough. Um, it's crew is a very unique club where especially if you've grown up there you often as I did will have had a manager at under nine that you start that you will have again at 16 17 and you will know everybody there inside and out you know how the club works they know you um, I often say you are in uh, a bubble at crew you're in a big bubble. Um, and then when it was the first time that somebody had come from outside um, of that bubble, to speak, um, since I'd been there in, in Good John, and he had his own ideas, his own thoughts, his own values. And he was, when I say a, a football league manager, that's exactly how how it seemed when he came in. I didn't know that that was what football was like. I thought football was everything that crew was. So when he came in and he's screaming and shouting at the younger players, you need to run more, you, you won't be playing. And the, there was just little things that I wasn't used to. Nothing majorly bad. It was just some stuff that took me back a little bit. And I thought, I'm not used to this. Um, I remember one time, I think he'd had a fallout with Michael O'Connor um, over something. And I got on well with Oki. You know, he was a great lad. He helped me, actually. He was, you know, he had a bit of character, a bit of a lunatic, but, you know, I, I loved him. Um, so I was speaking to him in the physio room one day, and I think he's walked in, good John, and seen that. And he's called me into his office. <clears throat> and because he's got the ump with Oki over something, they've had an argument, he's then said to me that I wasn't allowed to speak to Michael O'Connor. And if I did ever speak to him again, I wouldn't be in his plans. Um, and I remember him saying I'd, I'd be stacking shelves in Tesco, um, which again, I remember Bakes being in the room and he was sat there and uh, I left like, I was, I was a bit shaken. I've never had it before in my life. And he didn't say anything horribly horrible to me. It was just, these things were just like completely not what I was used to. I remember Bates coming straight out and coming to find me and seeing if I was okay. And I was like, I'm fine. It was just, you know, it was, it was just different to what I was, was used to. But, and then that just sums up crew as a place and Bakes as a person to come and find me and see if I'm okay. Um, which, you know, I'll always remember that. And it, it was, uh, it was a nice touch from him. So it sort of feels like very quickly he was, not in the right fit for him, good John. You know, everything else was working against the way he was working, almost. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we had a few players that weren't um, homegrown from crew, so they sort of understood that they'd been elsewhere and they knew that that's how, and I keep saying, real football works. Um, you know, but it's funny because I actually, at the start, I, me and good John actually got on quite well. Um, he was really good with me. 
he'd single me out as, you know, I found, I'm one of his favourites here, you know, I'm going to be playing. And I was playing, he did play me uh, at the start. And then I think it was uh, something to do with running or, you know, I can't remember what it was. Um, he, he he decided to, I think it was his way of trying to make me stronger or make me more of a man, um, which, as I say, I don't think he was being horrible or meant any sort of um, nastiness in what he was doing. It was just his way of, of trying to get the best out of me in a way that I, it was, you know, new to me. It was not, it was something that I wasn't used to and, and didn't really like. So it, it didn't really work, but it was just his style of trying to, like I say, get the best out of me in a different way. Okay. I'm going to fast forward a little bit um, to get to the 2011, 2012 season. Obviously good John goes, Dario comes in. Um, looking back at it now with benefit of hindsight, it seems like there's very much a clearing out of all of these players that haven't quite done it, who were brought in from elsewhere. And one by one, they're replaced with academy players or, you know, uh, players that have started to play in the first team. Do you remember feeling that at the time or does it sort of happen more organically that you're not really aware of what's going on? Um, I don't actually remember feeling that that was happening, to be honest. But like you said, when you look back, that is clearly what was happening. Um, and I, I just think that maybe it was um, a time where it's often spoke about a career where you have a period of producing a lot of players and then there's a little gap and then they go again and produce another batch. That might have been something that was happening uh, during that period. And when new players are ready to come in, it's obviously the crew way to put them in. And, and if they can do that, and if they're just as good as the players that have come in from, from elsewhere, then they will probably get um, more of a chance than, than the people from outside, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I don't remember thinking that, that that is what is happening. But as you say, it's it clearly what was happening. And yeah, who who was it that was coming through? Who? Uh, so I had a look. There's On the first day of the season, there's eight players in the starting 11 who are academy players and then four of the five subs. So it would be Toots, Doug Dale, Kelvin Meller, yourself, Ash Westwood, Nick Powell, Sean Miller. Uh, who else would there be? Yeah, so the clear... Harry would Davis. Yeah, Harry Davis, yeah. So is that the promotion season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so the people that would have... So Calvin Zola, Anthony yeah. Eldin, Urgen Bopp, these sorts of players that don't quite... They maybe take this out, but the players that weren't quite good enough for crew. Um, <laughs> just, just in case we get them on in the future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. Like when I think back over the names, there, there are a few that, or there were a lot that, yeah, went. And I think bringing those players in, I think that they'd spent quite a bit of money, which is unusual for crew. I'm sure they paid quite a bit for Zola. Zola, yeah. So I think that they tried that and it hadn't quite worked. So they went back to what they know best and it served, you know, served them. Um, best in the past, which was to try and throw um, the younger lads in, if you like. We probably weren't that young anymore, were we? Um, Reach, reaching your peak, I think, would be yeah. 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 Um, 
I, I, we've talked a lot on this podcast about this season with the people we've had. I know Lee Bell, two old Steve Phillips, etc. Um, one thing we've never mentioned is Crew lost the first four games of the league season that season, and then well, obviously went on to win the playoffs. It was a horrendous season, wasn't it? I remember it. I often think back to that season and think it was our season. Obviously, did, but I always think it started at you know at Christmas time yeah, when we, when we went on the unbeaten run. I, probably wouldn't be able to tell you many of the games in the first half of the season just probably because I've tried to block it out um, but yeah it's in my career probably one of the best seasons I've had in a team collectively uh, and to think that how we started is just it's crazy um, you know what were we 18th yeah 18th um, when Dario went Talkie at home, I think it was. I don't want to talk about that game again, Luke, if I'm honest. I've heard you mention it. It I remember it thinking that it was was real doom and gloom. It Mm. really was. Um, And I think the change in Steve taking over, I think Steve had been very clever in the fact he was obviously assistant and he was picking up on a few things along the way that he might, do differently if he ever took over and when that chance did come he obviously was prepared to do those things um, and although we did have a really good group of players um, you know he, he did really well you know you have to give Steve a lot of credit for for turning that around because it, it from the position we were you know it's definitely not easy to do that like you say we had people that I've heard a lot of people say anybody could have got that team promoted with Pauli and Westy in the team, etc. But it's definitely not the case, although they were, it was a big help having them in there. Um, it's Steve, like cheating on championship manager, having having you and uh, Nick Powell and Westy in a League Two team. I'd say more Pauli and Westy than myself, but uh, I appreciate it. But no, I mean, Nick, I'll speak about Westy was obviously unbelievable. I grew up playing with Westy, he was my age, and it, the techniques on on him are, are ridiculous. You speak to people now that I know a few players at Burnley and they say the same. You know, he's gone on to have a fantastic career and I'm so happy for him. Um, he deserves it. Um, Nick was 17 and without a doubt, if he wasn't a part of that team that season, there's no way we would have got promoted. No way on earth. Because he, he carried us in some games and at 17 years of age, that is frightening to think there was times where in games it wasn't going our way and to look to a 17 year old boy to try and get us out there the poo it is it's quite scary to think but obviously that just shows the talent of of him and you know and how good he actually was I think um, the first time I really saw that was um, I'm just checking it was Wimbledon away. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember the goal he scored. Oh, right, I do, yeah. But it was unbelievable. And then yeah. at the end of the season, I don't think it would have made his top three. Yeah. Uh, but that was the first time I really saw how good this kid. Because you hear about these kids when you're a crew fan, they're coming up the academy for ten years by the time yeah. they're yeah. in the first team. So you hear the name Nick Powell, and you know he could go on to become whatever he wants. And yeah. then to actually see it, you're like, okay, this kid is the real deal. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, the Wimbledon goal. I think he he, he just got, he glides with the ball. He just 
he glided with the ball from must have been the halfway line, took a few people on, and the shot that he hit, I, I remember thinking, how's he hit that? As in, it looked like he toe toe bunged it. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, he toe bunged yeah, yeah. it into the top corner, and as I say, that was just the start of him. Um, you know, producing so many unbelievable goals. Yeah, I think, uh, like I say, probably the playoff finals, the one everyone remembers, but the Gillingham one as well, where yeah. unbelievable, couldn't be any more top corner from no. I don't know, 25 yards out, something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the keeper didn't move, did he? Um, but no, that I mean, the, the playoff one was obviously the best goal I've ever seen live. <clears throat> Being there, it was, um, again, as I say, he carried us, he carried us that day, that settled us all down. Really, um, people often forget some of the other goals that Nick scored that were so important for, for us in that season. Yeah, um, Torquay away was all okay. I was about to say, Torquay away for me was probably my favorite because we didn't play particularly well that day. Um, we were losing one nil and we just needed something, it wasn't about how at that point in the season and with the unbeaten run and trying to get into I think Torquay were up there as well. Were they a few places ahead of yeah, us? they were in the playoffs, yeah. And although it, it wasn't really any special ability to score that goal, he obviously kept kept it down and so but it, it was definitely it was one of my favourites that one. I think we all went mad behind the goal. Yeah. I was gonna say I didn't I didn't make it that day, but just the the uh, the highlights you can see just yeah. the bedlam behind the goal because it's the end the crew fans are in. Uh, always nice to see. Yeah. Um, so we just touched on the playoffs. I want to talk about the game before the playoffs start. Um, you score what could have been a crucial goal. In the end, it wasn't because other teams yeah. didn't get the results. But um, how does that feel? You know, you've scored a goal that possibly has given crew from 18th to a playoff spot by the end of the season. What's your feeling when that goes in? <laughs> Again, it's going to sound really weird. But that season is that the only season I've felt this like weird thing where we were never going to lose a game. It was so bizarre and it's momentum and it's confidence and every being on the same page. But so even when that goal went, went in, it wasn't, I didn't feel any extra, um, any extra buzz than, that some of the previous goals that I scored because I always felt that we were going to be all right. I, 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 I can't explain it. I just knew that we were going to be okay. Um, and yeah, obviously that made it two all right. Two all. Yeah. Two all. Um, and yeah, we, we snuck in on the last day. Um, but the, I mean, even with that, when the team finishes the last place, in the playoffs, I mean, it's obviously amazing to reach the playoffs, but they sometimes don't really get, you, they've not really got hope, really. They've snuck in on the last game. You know, there's, there's teams in front that finished third, are probably favourites, but we were massive favourites, especially in our eyes. The run that we've been on and um, the momentum that we had, the belief, there was no way that we weren't going to get promoted that year. It was the, the strangest feeling, but the best feeling. And unfortunately, I've I've not had that again. Um, still searching for that. Hopefully, this season. Um, yeah, we'll get onto that. But I think yeah, we'll all uh, we'll all be praying for that this year. Yeah. So, 
into the playoffs, uh, like you say, South End finished I think fourth because it's seven, isn't it? Top seven in the playoffs. So fourth versus seventh. Yeah. Um, I remember watching because I was living abroad at the time. Um, I was watching on uh, Sky, possibly illegally. Um, yeah. All of the commentary were this South End team's really good. They finished yeah. fourth and lucky not to go up automatically. And then it just didn't happen, like you said. And I don't think many crew fans were surprised because that momentum was just there that we are going to do this. We're going to beat these. Definitely. And it's just, we felt exactly the same. Um, we could have probably played anybody in, um, in the home and away fixture and in the final. And I do feel, in that league anyway, and I do feel that we still would have got promoted. I remember it was a hot day, um, Gresty Road. I can't remember who was the better side, to be honest. I remember us having a few chances. I don't really remember them having any chances. I remember our goal, Westy free kick, buggy back post. Um, I remember I had, I tweaked my hamstring, I think, before that game. Um, and I wasn't sure about playing. And I played, I think I got subbed at around 70 minutes anyway. Um, which obviously missed the next game. I missed the next leg, which I was stated about but obviously belly went in and you know he got man of the match didn't he belly it was unbelievable yeah. you know i was glad that he was able to feature and, and do so well um because if there's one person that i know we have stick and we hammer each other me and bit but if there's one person that deserves success um it is lee Bar. you know he's a, he's a top top guy and he gave everything for for crew a, a little mention for him when he came back he and, and he was playing, he was always the player that no matter what was happening on the pitch, he would always, always go and try and get the ball off the back players. He, he might have been having a nightmare, the team might have been having a nightmare, but he would never hide. Uh, you know, he, he had real big balls uh, to always go and want the ball. And he was somebody that I think everybody in the team would look up to when things weren't going well. And if he was calm, we'd be calm. If he'd see him panic a little bit he thought but yeah i think we need to panic a bit so he, he was a real good person to have um in the team and although he didn't play in the in the final um his party played in the, in the semi-final and off the pitch it, it was massive um so yeah that was that's probably the nicest thing i've ever said about belly and we'll stop there okay. do you want me to take that out in the edit that luke Potentially so might have to edit that out yeah <laughs> Um, so let's uh, just before we move on, actually. Um, so I have mentioned before there is um, a video or radio clip on YouTube of like 20 minutes of that South End away game and then all the after game uh, stuff. It's got Graham McGarry going sort of higher and higher pitch, more and more emotional as the game's about to finish. And that, uh, you know, he quite rightly says, go and get Lee Bell. He's had the game of his career, you know, in that. And I think, I think Lee Blakeman's the guy on the, on the touchline oh. grabbing everyone. And I think he goes through the entire first 11 yeah. that day and he interviews every single one. It's an amazing piece of uh, radio for any crew fan. If anyone hasn't, I think I have mentioned it like four or five times. Yeah. Now. You're on commission for that, aren't you? <laughs> hey, if Radio Stoke want to pay me to work for them, I'm happy for that to happen. Yeah. Um, let's get to the final then. Um, how does it feel? You're running out at Wembley for your boyhood club, one you've been at since you were seven years old. It's got to be a special day. Yeah, it, um, one thing that springs to mind straight away was the heat. <laughs> it was horrendously hot. Um, but, yeah, what, a, what an occasion, what a day. Um, I think we went down a couple of days earlier. 
So we'd done a, a tour of Wembley a few days previous. Um, and yeah, like I say, that it was just the feeling that we had. There was no way that we were going to lose it. No matter how we played, even, Cheltenham were probably better than us on the day, if I remember rightly, but there was no way we were going to lose. That's the feeling that we had. We, we could always grind out a result in that period. Um, and obviously it took a, a bit of magic from Nick to get us started. But then um, we were under the cosh a little bit and, you know, we were all defending for our lives. And, you know, it ended up in a comfortable 2-0 victory in the end. But yeah, what a day. Amazing. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, we'll get to the second Wembley performance uh, shortly, but obviously... Um terrific for everyone that was there obviously i wasn't as again as i've mentioned before um but we'll get to the second one the in a minute or two anyone that hasn't seen a crew game uh <laughs> between between that wembley game and and the stoke game um the stoke pre-season friendly would be very interested to see um nick powell target man winning header after header in the opposition box and luke murphy midfield enforcer where was this on the the, the stoke game the, the other friendly. day, yeah. The other day, did you go? Yeah. What a get! What a, what a night, eh? Brilliant atmosphere. What? Yeah, fantastic. What a great cause! What a great cause! And I mean, I feel both sets of fans were amazing. It made you know what a special night. But again, um, Nick showed his class, didn't he? In, that, in the game, um, yeah. He yeah. stood out, head and shoulders of of everybody else. Um, I was going to yeah, ask if you um. I was going to ask, have you ever played against him not connected with Crew? So if you were at Leeds and he was at Wigan or whatever? I've actually not, you know, we've never, we haven't actually crossed paths. Uh, yeah, I have, I lie, Wigan. <laughs> but I was at Leeds and I was at Wigan, so I remember. <laughs> I got a yellow card for a tackle on him, I remember. But that was the, the only time, I think. Um, and that was a good few years ago now. And then obviously, did you did you give it a few words after you left one on him? Oh, of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, I mean I couldn't catch him. I couldn't catch him. <laughs> bring him down. Um, he's as I say, I've said he's a special, special talent, and um, I have to say, Stoke are very fortunate to have him because for me, he's he's in the wrong division. Did you have a word with him about how great it was to come back to Crew towards the end of his career? I didn't actually. I didn't actually see him. With, I mean, our past didn't cross the other night. Um, obviously, I came on as a sub the same time he went off, um, and then we 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 didn't actually get to speak. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who will be in his ear about that. But I mean, he's still young, 25, 26. Or am I wrong? He might be 27. So he's still, he's, anyway, he's still got years ahead of him. Um, we saw how good he was uh, the other night. I think he's actually grown physically. He looks like a proper man. Um, so he can, with all his ability, he's also got the stature and the strength to go with it. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go again, to be honest, um, and move again. So we'll talk about Nick Powell. Obviously, he left the summer after the promotion, along with Ashley Westwood. Um, you've already mentioned that it felt like a bit of a cheat having those two in the team. Um, were you disappointed you didn't get your move that summer? Or were you happy to sort of carry on doing your doing your stuff, playing your trade and knowing that the move would come eventually? 
I'd be lying a little bit if I said I wasn't a little bit gutted. Um, just because, especially, well, that second half of the season was probably the best football I'd played since coming into the first team. I think I scored seven or eight in the second half of the season. Um, and all obviously so happy for the pair of them to get their moves. But it, it, it half felt, which obviously wasn't the case, that I was going to miss the boat. I was obviously happy staying at Crewe, but I, I wanted to go and try and test myself at, you know, in a higher higher division and see where that took me. Um, so at the start, it was, it, I was a little bit thinking, have I missed the boat? Is that my chance gone? Because you see two, two of them go at the same time. Um, but as it worked out, I stayed and, you know, had one of the most enjoyable seasons of my career, probably. Um, thoroughly enjoyed um, being in League One and obviously being... Uh, I was made captain, so it made it really special. And, and obviously the the second trip to Wembley, which I'm sure you'll touch on, you know, it made it a very special season for me personally. Yeah, uh, just before we do talk about Wembley the second time around, um, I remember seeing at the time Neil Baker came out. Um, obviously at Crew, I think with lots of things, the, the management that we've had, especially in the past... They're very honest with how players are, where they are, what part of their, um, what part of the journey they're on. And I remember Neil Baker came out and said, "Look, this is probably going to be Luke Murphy's last um, season at the club. We've had a conversation. He wants to move higher. He's not going to get that. We know we're not going to get promoted to the championship this year. So we're going to be it." And I remember seeing that, and I think that sort of transparency and that honesty, fans are happy with. You know, I, I'm happy to see Luke Murphy go to Leeds for a million pounds because the money's back in the club he's doing what he wants to do um so i can't i, I don't really have a question here i'm just sort of making a point sorry I've just no, no, no i appreciate that all i can say is i remember it around the time and i think signed a new contract at the start of that season i think but as you said it was it was so easy because um because of the honesty and and, and the transparency it, like i say i love crew I really did and do. I didn't want to... I would have been happy to stay at Crew for the rest of my career for enjoyment-wise and, you know, and pleasure. But to really try and push myself to see where I could go, um, get myself out there, I, I felt I'd had um, a good second half of the season and then I went on to have quite a good full season um, when we were back in League One. I just I felt like I was ready. That wasn't me saying, you know, throwing toys out of the pram. I want to leave. That, that, that wasn't the case. But yeah, I think with everybody, you get to a stage where you, I think that they just they become they, they become ready to to move on to the next chapter. Like with Nick and Westy, they obviously went at the right times, and, and mine was just that you know year later. But the, as I say, with Bakes and with Steve, they were great with me. If, if there was any conversations, any club had contacted, Steve would come and tell me straight away, what do you think? Um, he'd give advice. Bakes would always give advice. And it was always for my benefit. It was never for theirs. Um, so as I said in the past, I was really lucky with the people that I had around me. And again, I'm saying crew is different. That doesn't happen anywhere else, really, um, where 
they're talking to you like that, trying to help you out and get the best move for you. Obviously, they were obviously going to get money for me, but the, you know, it was when I look back at it, you know, I'm, I'm, I was really grateful for how they they handled me and the situation during that period. Let's let's talk about the second Wembley trip then. Um, you know, started off pretty well for you personally, didn't it? it was six minutes in. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to go back to just before the game because I, I wasn't going to play in the game. So it's it's very ironic that that day was probably in my top two highlights of my career. And I was inches away from not playing. Um, I had a groin injury and it was really bothering me. I'd had an in- well, no, I hadn't yet, but I had an injection in it a few days before the, the game. And um, it was still bothering me. It felt a little bit better, but I thought, I'm just not going to do myself or the team justice. Um, you know, what if I let them down, etc. And, you know, it was my old mate, Graham McGarry, you know, we were back and forth with text. And he, he was, he basically forced me to play in that game. He really did. And it was, it was the best thing that he could have done for me. Um, he just said, there's no way that you're not playing. Get on with it, pretty much. A bit of tough love. And, you know, I'll always be grateful for, for that. I'm sure I, I didn't say that to him at the time. But, yeah, it ended up being probably, although it wasn't as important because the promotion is amazing. But it, for me, on a personal level, it was because I was heavily involved leading the club out and obviously getting a goal. It was a real special day for me. And as I said before, in my top two highlights of my career. Um, I'm going to just call you out on those two highlights in a minute because I've got a question from Alex Arani. I want to see if his question matches up with that. But um, are you aware that you made Graham cry that day? Um, no, I'm not, no. Um, so something Pete Morse told us, he, uh, he looked over <coughs> whilst he was commentating on the game. And when that goal went in, he, uh, he saw Graham needed a minute or two just to compose himself. So he, uh, no, he took a uh, commentary. That is news to me. That will be getting brought up, don't you worry. Um, I think part of that was he probably had a tenner on your first goal scorer. That is very true. That would not surprise me at all. That's why he convinced you to play. Yeah. <laughs> it's all making sense now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Gray was... Uh, Gray was top man. Him, him and his family. I was friends of his younger boy, Aid. Uh, I grew up with him, and I'd go around. I'd, I was literally there every Sunday. And Barb, Gray's wife, would make me a Sunday roast every Sunday. We, we, you know, we were so close. I'd, I'd stay overnight there. And them, them as a family, they're special people. You know, and they, I'm saying a lot of people helped me through my career. They were definitely one family that, that, helped me massively. Um, because it, it, it was hard for Greg because obviously he was commentating and you know he was trying to stay fair and uh, neutral but he was always like he was always good with me and you know he'd always give me advice and tell me when I wasn't doing very well he, he often did that um, but no they were they were a good family The goal then you scored it looked very well planned and very well prepared is that the case in reality? I'm I'm sure you all know. You all know what happened. We we were practicing the day before. We must have been practicing for about half an hour or so. I think Bakes had come up with it. I think he'd been to watch them and they'd left the edge of the box free. Uh, they had nobody on the edge of the box. Um, 
so yeah, we're training Arsenal's training ground, which was amazing. And you know, we were we were practicing this corner, <laughs> and people were thinking, "What the bloody hell are we doing?" I was kicking it over the bar wide. I, I just thought, "What? We can't do this tomorrow, Wembley, live on Sky in a cup final." But no, they they stuck with it, and um, they said the first one from that side. It was it was a best chance to get a shot on goal because the edge of the box was so free. Edge of the box was so free, and um, yeah, it it couldn't have gone any better. It really couldn't. It was um, a special moment. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. I've mentioned before, uh, despite the fact that I would be approaching. 30, oh God, the approach of the 30 by that point. That was the first crew goal I'd seen at Wembley uh, for various reasons. I've missed all of the crew's of Wembley appearances uh, in my life until that one. So special for you, special for Graham, special for me as well. Did you um, cry? Uh, I didn't cry, but I definitely hugged some strangers. <laughs> um, I remember um, actually... No, the, the hugging the strangers was the second one was Max's goal because all my mates were still drinking beer in the concourse when it went in and I was by myself. Um, so yeah, the it's just a little bit wild, I would say, for that one. Yeah, no, it was uh, again another very special day, and um, we actually did everything the same as the first year. Um, we went down on the same day, we stayed at the same hotel, we had the same food the night before. Um, it was very superstitious, but it, it was we had the same changing room. I think that was more luck from a toss of a coin, or I don't know how they worked out, but we were in the same side of the changing room. Um, and yeah, it just, everything just, you know, fell into, but I think it was a more comfortable game than the, um, the one against Cheltenham. I think Southend were in the league below. They, they still had a few chances. They, I mean, I think they have a, Som- a Sombolonga, was it? Yeah, they had some good players. Yeah. Um, Mojny as well. Mojny, he was a yeah. real handful. Yeah, he was a handful, wasn't he, that Mojny? Pretty small, wasn't he, Mojny? Small lad. <laughs> Um, they had a decent team. Yeah, no, they did. And um, I remember we, we, we played some good stuff. We had, I think he he made the call. I think he played Chucks, left AJ out, which, I mean, AJ was my, my best friend at the club. Then I was gutted for him, but Chucks was, what a job he did for us on loan. He was amazing, Chucks. I loved playing with Chucks. Great guy. Same with Brad Inman. All these people that came in, they, they really you know, give their all for the club. Uh, they were a credit to themselves. But that day, I remember Chuck's being a real handful in the pockets. We could always find him. And obviously Brad running with the ball. Um, it was another day where, although we our run had ended during the season, we weren't unbeaten. It was still a game that we felt we definitely weren't going to lose that game, especially with uh, how we got there, the Coventry games and and stuff so no it was a real special special day special game and I still remember the date it was the 7th of April so yeah as I say in the top two um can I ask you about that top two then because I've got a question from Alex Arani it potentially could be number one just well, the whole so day is- the, cel- the celebrations after but there, there was Go on, you carry on. I was going to say, uh, Alex has got a question for you. He wanted to know if you still stand by the claim that scoring on your Leeds debut was your greatest football moment. That was the other one. That was... um, 
a, a feeling that was just everything just came together came together for me in that game it was just as if it was written it was crazy um, because I'd, I'd found it tough um, a little bit during pre-season and, and getting used to a new club new teammates but for that game everything just went my way and to score the last minute winner um, you know at Ellen Road in front of a packed packed crowd it was that was that was probably the my number one moment but the full day of the Wembley was was probably number one as well if that makes sense so yeah. favourite moment was that and then the favourite occasion day sort of thing was was the Wembley fair enough um, just backtrack one last game before yeah. we go on to talk about Leeds. The last game of your first spell with Crew, Obviously yeah. a very special day for the club, um, the Academy 11, first time round. And also you managed to end your first spell at Crew with a goal that day. Yeah, a terrible penalty, I remember it, yeah. Um, yeah, again, what what an achievement, what a credit to the club to, to be able to put a team out full of Academy players and it wasn't just they didn't just throw people in for the sake of it to to say that they'd done that it was people that you know that they held their own in the game we obviously went on to win 2-0 um, but I think that's the first time that people in a long time stood up and really <laughs> excuse me really noticed crew again I remember Gary Neville talking about it on TV saying you know it was amazing credit to, to the club so I think that was a real statement of of what was to come over the next few years uh, and the future was bright um, for those lads and the club. Yeah, unbelievable achievement. One of my memories of that day is Neil, my brother, sometimes on here, he managed to find all of the people on Twitter who'd written Lump on Warsaw, crew playing a load of kids. Really? Uh, wow. And he responded to every single one of them at the end of the game. Asking Did he actually? Went. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that was the day Neil turned into an internet troll. Um, <laughs> Let's go on to Leeds then. Uh, you moved there for a million pounds. It's a lot of money. Uh, it's quite a big club. You know, Leeds fans are quite keen on telling you how big their club is. They've got a very vocal following. What's the pressure like going there? You've already said pre-season, bit of a struggle. It's very different, I imagine, to crew. It, it was immense. It was, it was massive What when you say a big club. People don't actually realise until I didn't realise. I obviously knew Leeds was a massive club. That was one of the main reasons why I decided to go there in the end. But when you're actually in there, it's it's different. It is really different. Um, that you can go anywhere in the world, and there will be a Leeds fan there, no matter where you are, because it's happened everywhere I've been. There's been a Leeds fan. Um, but no, great club. Great people there, um, but yeah, as I said, it was just different to what I knew because, as as I said before, crew is such a bubble, and to be thrown out into the real world, um, so to speak, it was. It, it took me a little bit of time to to adjust to it, and I think because it was it was well, it was well publicised that, that they hadn't bought anybody for a few years, and I was the first one in a long time. You know, all eyes were on me for, for you know, quite a long period of time to see if I could live up to, um, to their expectations. And 
it, it was hard, but I found it hard to do that, um, constantly being watched and judged. Um, for early on, at least, I, I found it quite tough, yeah. That first game, your first goal, uh, I had a little look at the Leeds lineup. You had Luke Varney and yep. future crew player Paul Green in the team that day. Yep. So, uh, yep. I assume it must have been you and Luke that sold Greeny on the the club at Crew Alexandra that day or uh, at, in training. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean, I always think Greeny, I, I had a year with Greeny and such a, such a nice fella, top professional. Um, got a lot of time for him. But, we always spoke about Crown. I think he always knew, you know, because he was at Derby uh, before that and James Bailey and Bray uh, both went there. So he, he knew that what Crew was about. I don't actually remember uh, speaking to him much about trying to get him there. Uh, I can't take credit for that. But I, I, I knew that he always spoke very highly of, of Crew and, and what they did, you know, there. And he always knew that they played good football. Um, so... Although it wasn't my doing, I wasn't that surprised to see that somebody like him had signed for crew. It was a good fit, if if uh, if you like, uh, all round. Now, um, I'm, I think I'm very similar with a lot of crew fans in when players move on, especially academy players, when they move on, we sort of follow the careers very closely. Um, my understanding of your time at Leeds was you were in the team, then the manager would get sacked. And then the new manager would have you out of the team and then they'd see you in training and then they'd play you and then they'd be sacked. Um, I mean, I was thinking about it today and I was I was thinking, there's so much that went on in that spell. I had seven or eight managers, I think. Um, I've got them listed if you want to hear so, them, Luke. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Let me see. Well, shall I go and see if I get right? Go on then. Yeah, I've got them in, a, I've got them in order. So I'll start with Brian McDermott and then you go from there. Um, and do you want me to comment next to any of these guys or not? It's up to you, Luke. Brian McDermott, great guy, such a nice guy, probably too nice. Um, with especially with the dressing room that I went into, there was a lot of big egos and and well established players. Um, I think he found it hard to cope. Uh, Brian McDermott, and I will go with Dave Hockaday, yeah. I will go with, and then I think Redders, Neil Redfern might have took over in turn. Yeah, caretaker manager, Neil Redfern, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Steve Thompson came with him as assistant. He was amazing, great guy. He's at Preston now. Helped me massively there. Um, this might not be in order. Um, You're all in order so far. Uwe? No. Marco uh, Milinic? Yeah, Darko Melanich. Darko Melanich. Um, I honestly cannot remember having a conversation with that guy. His English wasn't great, in all fairness to him. And culture-wise, or what he was used to, it was bizarre. We'd play a game, win, lose, or draw. He'd come in and say, Captain, Captain, come here. The captain would leave the room. He'd have a conversation with the captain. The captain then come in and say, right, lads, let's get changed. We will speak about it Monday. It it was weird. Uh, I've not really got. I, I can't really comment on him as a person or manager. Um, I mean, he was he was there for a short period, so I don't really know. Uve after him, Rosler. Uh, no, you had Neil Redfern back. Redis came back. I think that so Redis and Steve Thompson took over then. 
that second time when Steve, because I, I keep saying Steve Thompson because he was he was massive for not just me, but I think for a lot of the people there, especially the English lads, they could really relate to him. He was such a good man, man manager, if you like, although he wasn't the manager. Uh, and we actually did we did really well that second uh, part of the season. We beat some big teams, we played some good stuff. And then he got sacked. Um, and then Redders got sacked at the end of the season. So then, yeah, Rosler. Yeah, Uwe was the next in. Uwe, amazing guy, treated me so well. Um, and he was such a good manager. He got, I think he got sacked when we were seventh, I think, after seven games. I mean, that was just what I think he knew what he was coming into. Um, it was um, the harsh reality of the owner wanting us to be in the top two or uh, whatever it was, but he he really didn't have long, but I really enjoyed being around him. I got injured in, I think, the third or fourth day of pre-season. I had to have an operation on my knee. <coughs> Excuse me. So I missed the bulk of his his work, although I was still around the place. They went on pre-season tour. He wanted me to go with them. He would call me. He would ask me my advice. He really got me involved, um, although I was still injured and wasn't part of the team. He was uh, a real good guy and treated me really well. And Steve, big Steve. Yeah, Steve Evans, podcast favourite. <laughs> Steve, what can I say about Steve? Steve? Steve Evans is not a bad guy at all. He just likes to shout. And his managerial style was just not a fit for me personally. I didn't enjoy being shouted out on a day-to-day basis. That is not, you would not get your best out of me from doing that, but that was his way of doing it. Um, I still speak to him now. If I see him when we play Gillingham or wherever he is, I'll still speak, say hi. Uh, I don't feel too bad. There's no bad feelings there. It's just, Managerial wise, he just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, Gary Monk, Gary Monk, yeah. Like Gary Monk was probably the one I was most excited to work with. Um, from the outlook, from outside looking in at what he does at clubs, he seemed a real good manager, real good person. Um, and when he came in, we got on really well. We went to Ireland, and he was really making me feel as though I was one of the main men. He would ask me to organise team meals. Um, I, he, I was captain for a couple of the friendly games. So I was really excited about that season uh, coming up. And then we got back from Ireland and it was a couple of days before the first game of the season. And uh, he named the team for the game. It was QPR away and I wasn't involved. I thought it was a bit strange, really strange um, to just be completely thrown out into the cold. Um, uh, fine. They lost the game. We had a game on the Tuesday, a cup game. I thought I'd be playing in that. I wasn't involved again. So there was something clearly not right. So, you know, we had a conversation after that and he openly said that uh, he wanted to go down a different route. He, I think there was, um, he wanted to bring or he'd been told to bring um, youth through, through, which was fine. I really appreciated his honesty. He said I could leave. I think it was Calvin Phillips and Ronaldo Vieira. I mean, they've both not done bad, have they? Yeah. Um, 
two great players, great lads as well. Um, so did you, play with, did you play with Alex Moat as well? Moat, yeah, great player, great lad as well. It, my my time at Leeds, honestly, it, it was so up and down. But the main thing to come out of it, which uh, some people might take the wrong way, is the, the amount of good people and friends for life that I, I made from from being there. Some of the people there were, you know, as I say, friends for life. They were amazing. But yeah, Moat's done really well, hasn't he? He's just gone to, to West Brom. Um, but yeah, so obviously with Gary Monk, I had two weeks before the window shut, he said I could leave. Um, it all seemed a bit rushed, so I decided to had a few offers to go on loan. I still had two and a half years, well, three years left on my contract. Um, so I thought I'll try and get back in his plans. And if not, I'll go in January. Not sure if they liked that or I don't know. But after that, it just it went a little bit sour. Uh, he would, he would, things happen that I, I really, it doesn't sit well with me. He was, he's the only one that uh, I would really, I don't, I say hate, I don't hate at all. That's really, but there was just some things that went on. He would, um, I would get texts of James Beatty, his, one of his coaches to say I'm no longer training with the first team I'm now with the under 23s which I, I thought fine that's you know that's not anything new at big clubs when they're trying to get people out but then it, another text will come through you've now got to get changed in the under 23s changing rooms you're not welcome to get changed in the first team changing room and then another one, I've got to eat in the canteen at a different time. I'm not allowed to see the first team physio. And it's just all things that I think were unnecessary because I wasn't there to cause problems. I wasn't there to stir anything. That's not, I'm not that type of person I'd like to think. Um, so for me, that was the, the only bad blood I've got with anybody really. And he probably didn't think anything of it. He probably wasn't thinking he was being nasty, but, it, you know, I'll never forget that. Was it that January then that you went on loan to Burton? Correct, yes. So uh, I went to Burton. So I was, I'd had a slight injury during uh, the December time um, playing an under 23s game. And I was a little bit panicky thinking, you know, am I going to be able to get out? I didn't want to just sit there and do what I was doing. Um, I wasn't enjoying it at all. I was in a I was in a bad place really because you know you in football it, you can be made to feel like you are really not a good player. It's it's weird to say, but you can you, it's you can doubt yourself, especially when you, these things are happening. And I went to Burton. I remember um, Nigel Clough called me, and I went there and I'd heard a lot of things about Nigel Clough um, from lads who had him at Derby. Um, most of it very positive, great guy, looks after you. Um, don't ever cross him, do what he asks, be on time, don't be late, just all the basics. Um, but So I went there and I have to say he's, he's one of, if not the, the best that I've had. I think just because that period in my career, my life, <clears throat> I needed somebody like him to come come into it and it was the timing was just 
like it fitted perfectly. Um, he was absolutely amazing with me. Such a man management to me personally was something that I'll always be grateful uh, to him about. And we still speak now. We still keep in contact. Burton was, it, it was funny because I, I enjoyed it so much that it was the, the closest that you could probably get to crew um, as resemblance of crew. Um, club-wise, fan base, people there, amazing people. Um, so I, I felt at home straight away because it was it was so similar to what to what I was used to at Crew. I think Lee Bell said pretty much exactly the same when he yeah yeah Belly was uh, had a successful time at Bert. I think he got to the playoff final. Did they get to? I think. I think so. Yeah, uh, I think he captained them Belly as well. Um, but no, love my time at Burton. Great club, great people. Um, the team we were in the championship at the time. I remember when I went there in the January. The first thing um, Nigel said to me was, you've got one job, help us stay in the championship. That's what he said. And and as a collective effort with everybody involved, we managed to do that, uh, which was a great achievement for a club the size of Burton and the budget and and um, fan base, etc. cetera, um, to stay up that season when there were some big teams in that league and we got some really good results. We beat a lot of big teams, but everybody was just... It, they were throwing themselves on the line for, for everybody. They'd run for a brick wall for, for the manager, for each other, and it was something that I really enjoyed being a part of. The football wasn't amazing. I have to say it was, um, it was a different style of football. It was uh, scrap, battle, um, long balls, but because... Um, the atmosphere in and around the dressing room and the place was so together. You know, it, it was it was such a good feeling to be a part of, especially when we did stay up. You were basically there for what turned into effectively an eighteen month loan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, eighteen months. So, and then I, I went back to. Um, so I had I'd done the, the the second half of the season at Burton, had such a good time, <clears throat> formed great friendships and relationships with people and uh, went back to Leeds and it was sort of I think it was Thomas Christiansen was the manager I think um, and he was fine we, we had a conversation and he said look you're more than happy to stay uh, and try and you know fight for your place here um, you know I'm it's a clean slate. I'm, I've obviously been given opinions from above me, uh, but it's completely up to you. If you've got somebody that wants you and you want to leave, that's absolutely fine. So it was, um, he, he was, he was good. He was fine. He was uh, respectful, but also I, I could sort of tell that um, he'd be more than happy for me to, uh, to leave. I think the first session he took, we went out and we were doing some sort of game and I was, uh, sub for the other 11 came on a sub at center half and I thought gosh um you know I'm I'm down the pecking order uh, maybe it's and Nigel had been on the phone quite a bit asking you know obviously he wanted me to do well at Leeds but he said if there was ever a chance you could you could come back then uh, he'd be delighted so you know I got uh, I got straight on the phone to him and went back for a full season 
That turned out to be your last year as a Leeds player under contract. Um, I'm just going to ask you one last thing, because I had a little look as well. Your leaving, I think, was the same month that Bielsa joined as manager. Is there a little bit of um, regret that you never got to see what he could have done with you as a player? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, what a job he's done. And I have to say, it is he's done an amazing job, but it is nothing. The, the people at Leeds and the, the fans, the, the people that work behind the scenes, there's so many amazing people at that club that they, they are where they deserve to be now. And I really hope they stay there for a long time. Um, I've got nothing but respect and, and love for, for that place. It was a big part of my life uh, and growing up. And although there were ups and downs, those downs, I feel, sort of shaped me. Um, to, you know, it shaped me to become more of a man, uh, thicker skin, something that you certainly need um, at that club. Uh, when things are going well, there is no better place to play than there. Uh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit gutted that I didn't um, get a chance to to watch Bielsa train under him, see what if he could have done anything with me. But uh, the writing was on the wall a long time before that, um, that I was told to try and find a new club way before he, he got in, um, got the job. So, um, yeah, that was the case. Um and then I went back and, and trained with the under-23s. There was a group of us that they were trying to get out. Unan O'Kane was there. There was uh, a few, I think there was four or five first-team players that were with the 23s trying to get different clubs um, sorted. Um, and, yeah, that was that was the end of my Leeds, Leeds spell. So, after your spell at Leeds, uh, it was on to another championship club, uh, Bolton. Two years there. How... Is, what, what's the best way to describe your time at Bolton? Oh, um, a roller coaster, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would say, I don't think that's too strong to use because I've got a lot of respect for the club and the people there, but disaster. Um, back to back relegations, you know, it's, I mean, it's got to be a disaster, hasn't it? Um, uh, we went in in the championship and signing for them. And when, when you see the actual players that the squad that was there, there's no way that they should have been relegated, in my opinion. It's some really good players and big names there. Um, there was uh, Ben Anik in goal, very good keeper. Uh, Andrew Taylor, great career, left back. Um, uh, Wheater, David Wheater. Art Beavers, uh, they'd signed a Polish lad called Pavel. Um, and he, he again, he was a real good player. He only did one year there. I went back home and we had Jason Lowe in midfield, Josh Vella. Um, it was Craig Noon, Adam LaFondra, although he went to Sydney. Uh, Clayton Donaldson, Clayton was there. Um, also, I'm missing so many out here because... Mark Little was a fullback. All these senior, it was such a senior group who had had really good careers um, that you just thought that. I remember when I met the manager and he showed me the team and, and the positions. 
I just thought there's, there's no way that this has got to be a half successful season because of the standard of player that they had in each position. <clears throat> we actually made a lot more signings after and we probably ended up with too many players um, because each week there'd be five or six left out of the squad. And it, it, I mean, it, it was weird because that was the manager's way of doing it. It was Phil Parkinson. He rotated a lot. Um, and as I said, we had a lot of players and potentially some games that be between six and 10 people that weren't even involved on the bench. So it was hard work to keep all these people happy. Um, it, I didn't enjoy the first year. He wasn't my type of manager, um, which did surprise me. He comes across as though, you know, he might, he might be my, I might have enjoyed playing for him. Again, not a bad guy, I don't think, but just not my cup of tea. Didn't really speak. I like, I like to form relationships with people that I work with. Managers, that's when I feel most comfortable and I'm at my best. Um, he, he didn't really seem to like to engage. You could walk into the canteen and it'd be hard work to get a morning out of him. Uh, he, again, he would say morning. I'm being a bit harsh there, but you, you couldn't really get into a full-blown conversation without it feeling awkward. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, I think the owner at the time, it wasn't really being run very well. We He decided to stop paying us halfway through that season, which was tough um, for everybody, um, not just us as players. I'm talking about cleaners, chefs, everybody stopped getting paid. Um, so it was a bit of a nightmare that uh, that's where it started that first season. It, it was a nightmare and then that followed into the second season, um, which I enjoyed more. I was obviously playing because <laughs> we didn't have any players, um, but I enjoyed it more, although it was still not very successful uh, on the pitch. What sort of impact does that have on a group when you've, been relegated from the championship and then you're in another, I mean, an ultimately unsuccessful relegation fight in League One. What sort of impact does that have? It was, it was, it was horrible. It really was to think, I mean, the whole setup um, from getting relegated in the championship to League One, we then lost, I think we had three players left. Um we were in administration, so we were starting the season on minus 12. We had three senior players. The rest were the youth team. But we hadn't been paid. We still hadn't been paid for six months. Um, so it was it was a nightmare, to be honest. And I say a nightmare in the fact that you just... some I don't know how some of the people, especially the young lads, how they coped um, financially, psychologically... Um, I remember we refused to play a game. I think it was Brentford, actually. Brentford at home. Uh, and there was uproar. I mean, as I say, it probably wasn't the right thing to do to ever refuse to play a game. But I think just the players felt like they needed to make a stance on... It wasn't necessarily the fact that we weren't being paid because there was a lot worse off people um, that hadn't been paid. But it was for... The stance was sort of for them more than us. Um, and all the lies that had been told. So we didn't play in that game, which didn't go down too well. So then 
come the first game of the season, Wickham away, we the the ones remaining and the staff agreed with us that if we hadn't been paid by the start of the season, because that would have been six months, um, then we're in our right mind to say, you know, we're, we're not getting paid because I think there was a case of it, you could potentially leave to another club if there was, it was a certain period of time and people were worried about injuries and ensure everything was getting thrown about injuries. Um, so I remember we had Wickham away, so we were travelling down on the Friday and we had a meeting at the stadium before because we were, they said that we were going to be paid and we hadn't been paid or we'd, or I think we'd been paid a little bit, a fraction of what we were owed. So the lads were obviously thinking, you know, this isn't right. They're not sticking to their word. So anyway, the meeting, we ended up deciding to just get on the bus and get down to Wickham. I think we were due to leave at 12. We left at about half five, I think. Just get down there and we were being told that it was going to get sorted. It was the funds had been sent. They were on the way. Um, so we just got down there. Still hadn't been sent the next um, when we got down there, the next morning we woke up. We were we were all saying that we weren't going to play. Um, and then the new owner it was it was a lady that was trying to take it over from I think she called Sharon Britton I think <clears throat> Sharon Britton or Shannon Britton Sharon nice lady take it over from Ken Anderson who who obviously was the one that was refusing to pay. She came and gave us a good hour hour and a half meeting in the morning. We decided to play. Lost the game 2-0, uh, but we got a lot of credit for playing in the game. There, I think there was three of us and the rest were youth team players. And we then went on to continue doing that for a good five or six games. Uh, and it was it was really hard work. I think we lost three games on the bounce 5-0, <laughs> which is not enjoyable at all. And I, I actually really felt sorry for the, for the younger lads because it was a real big ass asking them to to play a game against, you know, men, although it was a great experience for them. I'm sure it was, it was a real tough ask and um, they did the best they could. It just, um, it's completely different academy football to, to men's football, especially when you're not physically fully developed. Um, so yeah, that happened all, up until um, they brought Keith Hill in. Keith Hill in, uh, David Flickcroft, yeah, and then they made a load of, load of signings on the last day, which they brought some good players in. I think we brought 10 players in or something, and they made some good signings, but I think the damage, although we weren't great during the season, even still with those, I think the damage had been done before they got there with the minus 12 points, and I think we picked up one point uh, up to that period. So, yeah, I mean, what's that, minus 11? Not great, not ideal. Um, Luke, I want to move on to you re-signing for crew, but I've got one last question about Bolton. Um, Obviously, back in League One this season coming up, um, hopefully we're going to go up there and there'll be some fans in the ground. What sort of reaction would you expect from the Bolton fans from your time there? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, um, as I said, my spell there, I feel for the club was a disaster as in what it what it went through um i feel like as i said before back-to-back relegations is not great me personally i wasn't i didn't find 
consistent form there. Uh, I, I would say I, I didn't play my best football there. So I, I'd like to think I was always respectful and professional um, and I always gave my all, but performance-wise, it was it was tricky over the two years, the first year being in and out of the team and not really feel, feeling part of it to the second year, everything going on. Um, I didn't really get going, which sounds mad because I was there for two years, but um, how that, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure it, it won't be cheers, but it might be booze. I'm not sure, but I don't think it would be booze, but I think it would just be, you know, as if any other player. Fair enough. I've got great respect for the club. Um, again, great people there, and I'm glad that they're back, um, back in League One and, and, and doing well. Okay. Would it be fair to say a spell at Bolton with a couple of senior pros and a load of youth team kids set you up perfectly for a return to the group? <laughs> you could say that, although without sounding horrible um, and disrespectful to anybody at Bolton, that the um, the the younger lads at Crew are different gravy, different gear. The standard is head and shoulders. Um, as I'm sure it is, they would be, a, you know, not just for people at Bolton, but um, across the division. There's a real good, good group coming through. Uh, well, that has come through, um, and it's it's not often you see a team or a squad with that many players that have the potential that they have to go on. There's six or seven that could, you know easily go on and play uh, a lot higher and that's all come from the same group so it's that doesn't happen very often okay um so luke i think anyone that listens to the podcast by now knows the story of you re-signing for the alex um you were without a club after being released from bolton graham mcgarry encourages you to give dave a ring to see if you can keep fit over the summer you go there uh you do enough to convince dave artel that you should get a contract. Um, at what point did you realise there might be an offer coming from Crew last summer? Again, it was it was very laid back and and chilled. Really, that's you know I obviously played with the gaffer for two years. We got on well. Uh, I knew he was a good guy. Um, I knew that Crew as a club were were very good with ex players going back and and them helping helping them out keep fit. And this is going to sound bad, but I actually, when it first came about, I actually was a bit apprehensive about going back in. Um, I was more against not signing back if I ever did get offered a contract, just plainly because of how much I loved the place and how successful the first time round was. And... In my head, I didn't want to ever dent that. I, I, through the down periods of my career, when I've been down, and you know, you sit back and you think, you, you think happy thoughts. You try and take yourself back to. It was always taking myself back to crew, my crew days, my crew day. And I never wanted to. When I retired, I never wanted to have nowhere to go back to. If that makes sense. Um, if I resigned at crew and it wasn't a success, or you know, I. I I knew I wasn't the same player as I was back then. You know, I'm older. 
uh, a little bit slower if that's even possible. Um, but at the start, I was actually thinking I was thinking that I'd, I wasn't sure about coming back plainly because of how happy I was with the memories of the first time round. I thought I didn't want to go back and then be, be dented, as I said. But I must say, I, you know, I took the plunge uh, to come back and, you know, so happy I did. Just going from that then, I think um, my brother was really sold on your return uh, back to the Alex last year from the interview that you gave uh, when you re-signed. And I think the thing that really convinced him there was the fact that you you called it your club. And that, I think, just matches in with what you said there. Like, you know, clearly you care about crew, the fact you didn't want to go back and not be as good and not have as good a time there uh, for yourself and for the club. So I think that really came across in your interview then. Uh, I don't think you do social media, Luke, um, but I'm not sure if you're aware, last year on Twitter, there was a bit of a fan campaign that has Luke Murphy signed yet? Get Luke Murphy to sign. I don't know if you're aware of that last summer. I'm not on Twitter now. Um, No. I didn't see it. To be honest. So yeah, I think any friendly you were involved in last year it was uh, yeah, get him signed. He needs to sign. Um, so yeah, I think it was fair to say that um, the first spell had done enough to have uh, people's good wishes when you re-signed for the club. No, it's, it was uh, that was obviously that's nice to hear and it was appreciated. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I say, I wasn't um, sure about re-signing. Did re-sign. So happy I did, you know. It's uh, it's just as I remembered um, all the people, um, familiar faces, and and more importantly, such a great group uh, to be playing with. Really, I was going to ask about that. Like, obviously, the players you played with that are still at the club are now coaches or managers. Um, Lee Bell, Dave Artell, amongst two. Um, what were your thoughts then when you were, walked in for the first day of training? You know, you've got. These guys you've seen, you've heard, but you've not actually seen play. Charlie Kirk, Perry NG, Ryan Wintle. What are you thinking when you see them? Um, yeah, I literally hadn't seen much of them at all. Uh, it was hard to to get to any of the games. They obviously were in line with my games wherever I was. Um, so I was really out in the cold with uh, what the standard would be like. And I cannot tell you how surprised I was. Uh, with the standard, it was painting. I'm not just saying that, it really was. Um, that it is probably the, in a long, long time, the best group collectively that um, crew must have had for a long time. Um, th- there's, there's almost a player in each position that is one that you would say he's definitely going to move on, he's definitely going to play higher. Um, and as I've said in the past, that, that you don't get that often. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kirk, Wintle, Finney, all of them, uh, Owen Dale, Ainley, it was Perry, Pixie. There's just so many to reel off. It was a real, um, that for what that was probably the main thing that thought, you know, what am I talking about? Not wanting to sign it. How can you not want to come and play with in this group? Because I'd seen clips, Kenny had shown me clips that the gaffer had shown me clips of. Of uh, of the season before, and it was as if some of the teams were just mannequins who were playing around them with such ease. Um, so yeah, that, that training with them definitely um, sold it for me. The the final the final piece. 
So if you had uh, different crew players to get used to, crew fans had a bit of a different Luke Murphy to uh, get used to. Tim's already mentioned it. You went away and you've come back and you've learned how to, you know, put your foot in, make a tackle. I don't really remember you doing that before in your first spell. And it was almost like you're the midfield enforcer now for this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's because I lack pace or I, I just seem to pick up yellow cards after each game. It's usually for pulling somebody back when they've got past me. Um, but yeah, I mean, going away and that, that that's sort of the role that I had at certain clubs, Burton being one. I was um, I played as a holding midfielder who, you know, try and win it off the striker's feet, tackle head, kick it. And that got added into my game. And I'd probably say it probably took over. So then it was funny because re-signing back at Crew, it was so bizarre to see all the football that was being played. I actually wasn't used to it. And it took me a long time to get used to actually playing football again. Um, I mean, it was a nice feeling when I actually did get back used to doing it but there was times where I'd get the ball off the fullback and I'd just lump it and I, that for me had become the norm over a three or four year period um, and yeah it took me um, a little bit of time to, to get used to the crew way again as they say. Do you see your role going into this new season uh, replacing Ryan Winter in that holding midfielder or we've you know David Altal signed Sean McDonald. Josh Lundstrom's getting rave reviews for his performances from everyone for pre-season so far. So do you see your future there or as one of the two wide of the three? Where would you like to be played? Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, it's a very easy set on the fence answer, but I do not mind at all. Um, if you'd have asked me when I first came in, uh, I'd, I would have said the Ryan Wintle role because that's what I had been doing. That's what I was used to um, over the last couple of years. But obviously Ryan was probably the best player. He, he was always going to play. And the role of the two other high midfielders, it was a role I'd obviously played midfield a little bit further forward than a deep role before, but I'd never played it like how the manager wanted the midfielders to play um, as he does now. Um, it, it was... Again, that's another thing that took me a little bit of time to get used to um, <clears throat> running in behind. I'd never run in behind in my life. And, and now I'm getting asked to, to make these runs. I'd always run forward, but I was always getting on the end of things on the edge of the box or I was never actually getting played through on a through ball or trying to run in behind a fullback or centre half. So that was new. But I feel like over a little bit of time, I've, I've, I've learned the role more um, and with learning it more, I've enjoyed it more because things start come, uh, becoming natural and you just do things off instinct. So either position for me, I, I'm, my role is I'm here to help. So whatever is needed, um, whether that's on the pitch, off the pitch, um, I, I'm, obviously I, I, I want to play every game. Uh, I really do. I feel like I, I've still got... Um, things to offer but if somebody else is playing and I'm not I'm there to support um, the team in any which way I can 
Yeah, I think there's definitely a case, what you said about growing into the season, I think that echoed with, you know, some of the, the fan views as well. Um, the second half of your season, your personal season, was a lot stronger than the first half. And yeah. I remember Pete Morse mentioning a couple of times in commentary, you won't have heard this because obviously you were busy playing. Uh, if you were, it's almost a compliment this, Luke, but it's not for me, it's from Pete Morse. Um, he said, if you weren't in your early 30s, you could be the first crew player on the million pound wall twice. Um, I am sure he had a few beers. He must <laughs> this is your in commentary, this, Luke. Right, okay. Uh, no, I'm not sure, but I mean, I definitely wasn't that good. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt it in myself. I grew into the season, um, as I've pointed out, getting used to different roles, um, learn, relearning how to play in a crew team again. And also, the, one of the main things was the, the, un, the, the sort of up and down pre-season that I had it, I went into the season and I really in my body fitness wise because it had been since March really uh, because that's when the season finished it was March until then September where I mean I, I tried to tick over at home during lockdown you can do run but nothing replicates training or a game um, to get fit and I think I I went in in August played a couple of games but I still felt well off the pace. And I, and I actually thought to myself, it, it's my age. I really did. I thought, um, I'm at an age, I'm only 31. That's still relatively young, but I, I might have gone a little bit here. Uh, but I gradually found my legs. And um, I, I have to spin it fast forward to now where I've done the pre-season. And thankfully, I, I'm hopeful I've got a few years left in me because I, I feel... I feel good. Um, I've completed all the all the running sessions, all the the minutes that's been asked of me, and I feel like I'm in a much better place now than I was going into the first game of the season last year. This What's the season, target, Luke, for the season? It is minimum playoffs. That's been, you know, rammed down us. Um, I think coming into League One last year. I think we had a real big opportunity last year to to do something special, which we probably didn't realise that we could do until it was too late. When I say too late, probably a month or so into the season where we were sort of not in awe of these big clubs that we were playing, but when we came up against them and we realised that we're actually we play better football than some of these teams and you know we can hold our own and we can get results. Hull away, I think, obviously, I mean, it wasn't, we didn't batter Hull by any means, but we definitely created enough chances to win that game. Uh, and they nicked a 1-0 at the end. And it was sort of like a bit of a, I remember the manager saying like, you know, I hope you all realise that we can do something. We've come to Hull away and, and we've really put them under pressure. So I think we, we missed out a little bit last year. Although he, we came up, from League Two, we probably did underachieve in our, in our final position. So for this year, albeit we've lost um, a couple of players, um, but from, we've had a season of, of finding our feet now and, and knowing what the league's about again, for sure we've got to be looking at, you know, climbing that table. And, and I think 
learning more about the game, game management, how to... There's, there's so many times last year where we must have dropped so many points. You know, I can think of 10 probably in my head now. Um, that in, And those points are probably the difference of why we weren't... Well, they were the difference of why we weren't in the, in the playoffs at the end. Ipswich away was one of those where we battered them and then they came away with a 1-0 win. After that game, was the sort of feeling in the dressing room damn it, we should have done better or was it positive that we did so well? Or I think it was more, I think I remember it and I think it was positive because I think the previous game, I think was Lincoln at home and I think we got battered. I played in that game and I remember thinking we're battered here. I was playing one of the high midfield roles and I actually felt lost on the pitch. I didn't know where to go, that they were dominating us. They were, they were superb that yeah, day. They were good. They were Absolutely. really good. And I just remember thinking, like, this is Lincoln. And, and you know, Lincoln are, no disrespect, but they're battering us here. We're, we're sort of, we, we might not be, um, you know, as close to where we want to be uh, as we think. And then the next game, Ipswich. And, yeah, we, we funnily enough, I wasn't playing. I was watching. But it was the first time that I'd actually seen what everybody had really been talking about from the previous year. I'd obviously seen the... The standard was was very very high, but actually to dominate a game uh, and play some of the football that they played that day, um, I think the, I think the manager was more happy with the performance than the result. He, he didn't mind too much that we'd lost the game at that point because it was a sort of, you know, we can do it in this league. Which are a massive club, one of the biggest in this league, and we've just played them off the park. Um, albeit, albeit we we need to do better in certain areas, take our chances. But I think that was the the kickstart to to make us believe that we can compete against these big clubs in the league. Something that I feel is really unique to Crew at the moment is we've got a lot of central midfielders that are good enough to play in the squad, or like. Yeah they'd all fit into other League One teams, but they're all so different in their play style and personality as well. You've got Ainley's so different to you, Tommy's so different to Finney, Finney's different to you, all of, and then Josh Lundstrom as well and Green Griffiths. Do you think it's good for the sort of for the squad to have so many different players? Do you think that's good or do you think it's, do you think there needs to be more of similar kinds? No, I mean, I think that um, you, I think the manager picks a team obviously on merit um, performance wise, but also on the type of game, the type of opposition we're coming up against. And for me, if you've got all, all bases covered, I think that can only be a positive. Um, you've got Finney. For me, Finney, I've never known anybody in my life, in my career, find the positions he finds and gets the chance, it's just weird that he gets so many chances in a game. He could have had 20 goals last season if he you know, didn't get injured. Or And then you've got Carl who can find the, the holes in between the lines. Uh, he's really good at taking it on his back foot and knowing where he is on the pitch. And then, yeah, you've got Josh who, you know, I think they call him the destroyer. He's um, He breaks up play and also really good on the ball. Regan's a little bit similar. Um but as you say, we've got all bases covered that I feel like if we can put a midfield out to, to match any any opposition, really, that we come up against, if that makes sense. 
So you don't feel too hard done by if he's playing sort of Calamainly, you know that we're going for a sort of a different tactical style than what you would be playing. Oh, so. yeah, that, uh, that's it. I mean, the type of game it might be might suit um, Callum more than myself. Um, there might be big spaces between the their back four and midfield. And, you know, we know that Callum can can find the find the space, receive the ball and then play a through ball to, to one of our forward players. It's, it's something that the, uh, the staff look at. They obviously watch our opponents who we're coming up against. They'll pick these things out and then pick the team, you know, according to that. You said um, crew is, you know, unique and it's a, it's a bit like a bubble and everyone knows everyone else. Um, how are the new lads fitting in and uh, what do you think from what you've seen? Great. The, you know, I mean, the, the because of the, the squad that we had anyway and the, the personalities and the, uh, I think I said it on an interview last week, it's <clears throat> one of the best groups I've been in where everybody is, you know, so supportive and willing each other to do well. Obviously, competition for places is healthy, but <clears throat> everybody is has each other's back. And um, it, again, I keep comparing it to Burton, but it was very similar to that at Burton. And it, it just creates such a good team spirit that it can only be a positive, in my opinion. Um, so the new lads, you know, fitting in really well. Um, if you ask them, I'm sure they'd say the same. Um, and footballing wise, you know, we've added some some good players. Um, you know, Longy looks really sharp up top and looks like he can bring um, something different for us. He can play in a number of positions. Kane, obviously, you know, he looks like a Premier League player. Um, I feel like we've done well to get him. Um, Tommy at the back, you know, big, strong, dominant centre half. Um, and I'm sure that they're not finished yet. I'm sure, well, you know, Maybe they are. I'm not sure, but I'm sure that they're looking to bring in a couple more. Um, and the recruitment side of it has always been, you know, over the past few years, really, really good. So I'm sure that they'll bring in the right people for, for the fits that we need. Just a little bit on that topic. Something that's been bothering me personally is um, Chris Long uh, has been brought in. He's a striker. We've got Mika Mandron. Um, are we going to see a change away from that four-three-three this year? Do you know, or is it just? maybe a realisation that Chris Porter is now, is he 37? I think he might be 38, I don't know, but he's the youngest baby-faced 38-year-old I've ever met. So, uh, you know, he, he is going to stop eventually. Uh, Mika can't do everything by himself. So is that just that realisation that we need two quality, well, that's a bit of a disservice to Chris Porter, but two uh, quality strikers who aren't 37, 38? Or are we going to see a 4-4-2 maybe this year? Um, I think the... Formation-wise, obviously, four-three-three is what um, the team played in League Two. Absolutely ran away with, dominated every every team, um, and then obviously played it last year. But I think that what they'd found that sometimes, especially towards there was a period towards the end of the season, maybe or near the end, where we played some unbelievable stuff against some teams playing 4-3-3. They then realised that and how we played. Then when we went and played them the second time, things had changed. They'd try that, you know, it was a little bit harder for us to play because they'd, I mean, it's a compliment to us because they were worried about us and how well we, we played that formation. I just think that we need to be able to, 
Uh, I think the manager spoke a little bit about this, you know, just change, even if it's right, we're changing to 4-4-2 for half an hour, do it, and then we might change back to 4-3, just so we've been working on it in pre-season a bit. So it's, it just becomes, when he says it on the side, everybody knows their roles and what they need to do um, for that period. It might be, you know, a full a full game that um, we do that for. Um but I think for certain games, I think four four two might be used. Um, I think um, obviously three four three three is you know the bread and butter of what this team's based upon. But the, the going to I think the manager always uses Portsmouth away a four four two for Portsmouth away might need to come in and we might need to um, change the way that we we play. We can't. We can't be stuck down to one one formation because teams suss you out and, and you need another string to your bow. So you're now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, Luke, but you're now halfway through your initial two-year contract. Yeah. Uh, you've just said, you know, now you've got your legs back, there'll be a few more years. Are you hoping they're at crew? For sure. I mean, that's what I hope. Obviously, football's a strange game. Um, you never know what's around the corner, what's going to happen. But for me, I'm back where I want to be. Um, so, I mean, it's that's my part answered. It's sort of out of my hands from now on, although it's how I perform on the pitch. So it's half in my hands, but it's out of my hands as to whether I'm, I'm wanted here after, after this year. That's completely down to the football club. But um, as I said, I am... And where I want to be, I love it here, and uh, I want to be part of. I want to build on the the success of the the two years previous, eight years ago, however long it was. I want to make more memories, and and as I was talking about, when I retire, look back at happy memories. I want to create more of those in in this second spell round here. Perfect. Um, I'm guessing there's not been any conversation from the club yet. It's way too early. A year in football is a massive amount of time, yeah, isn't it? No, no conversation. I think they've, they've got more uh, Prestonmas at the moment than myself. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll scoot over that bit for now. Um, have you thought about what comes next for you? Is it following Lee Bell into coaching at the Alex or following the McGarry uh, family into broadcasting? Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I've... I'd, um, Took the start of the process of my coaching badges last year. I did my um, UEFA B. Um, it's something that may interest me. It, it's really hard to try and think about coaching, although you need to be prepared because you eventually will stop playing football. But even during the course, I find it hard because I was on the course with a lot of people that had just retired or they weren't really thinking about being a player. But I was still thinking about being a player, but doing this coaching course. And I find it hard to try and switch my mind off from being a player to a coach and think about that. You know, no player, you know, wants their career to end. Um, so I found it tough to think about that. So th there's slight plans in my head going on, but um, it's not something I want to think about just yet. Fair enough. Um, guys, I've got one question I want to ask uh, to finish. Have you got anything else before we wrap up? I just want to ask uh, Luke if he's going to score a goal this season. Oh, that's the other thing I've got written down I forgot to mention. Thanks, Dave. Uh, what a nightmare, eh? Absolute shambles of the season on that front. Yeah, I mean, I would love to score a goal, I'll be honest with you. Uh, 
I came close at Oxford away. I 100% should have scored. Uh, I think there was a Kirky put a ball in. I think we played Accrington at home and it's I jumped when I probably didn't need to jump. It's flashed across the goal. I'll, I'll say it live now. I will score at least one goal this season. Are we all piling on first goal scorer then for Cheltenham at home? I probably wouldn't do that, but I will try and score this season. <laughs> I uh, I would imagine you're going to dedicate the goal to the Railway Men podcast as well, Luke. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, there was um, there was a basically growing up. There was a lady um, who lived at the top of my road. A family, the Chadwicks, are all big crew fans. Neil, Paul, <clears throat> I don't know if you know them. Yeah, uh, yeah, the roadie. And, and Sue sadly passed away uh, recently, and you know she was at every game. Uh, and that was you know, terrible news. And I feel so bad because I said to them, I said, the next goal I score, it will be dedicated to to her. Um, and, you know, they were grateful for that. And we just didn't bloody score. Which So my next goal is dedicated to her. Then after that, you can have that one, guys. Cheers. I mean, that I'll take that. That's fine. Um, okay, Luke, I'm going to just wrap up with one final question. Um, yeah. Obviously, you played in the 11-12 promotion team. You didn't quite play in the 19-20 promotion team, but you were in the squad where everyone was still there. Uh, who wins? Uh, it's funny because we've got both teams on, well, not the promotion teams, but there's the both homegrown teams on the walls at Reese Heath. And it's a tough one. And I could I could really be bored and say it'll be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> no, um, I actually think because I, I, the, the standard and the, of the the group at the moment, I think was is that good. I'm I'm that confident in that group. Um, I actually think they might just pip it. Um, I don't know, lads. <laughs> <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask each of you what do you think? Um, go to Tim first. It's hard. I, I, I think, think we had we had, we had probably. I need to be careful what I say. We're probably better individuals, like, as I say, Westy and Powley in there. But collectively, the standard of the collectiveness is a lot, is probably higher. I think yeah. I probably agree. Uh, some of the goals that 1920 season, you've already mentioned it. There's yeah. League Two players looking at the crew team and just thinking, what have they just done? You know, yeah. like the, the Salford game at home is always one to remember. Like those goals in that game were just ridiculous. Tommy Lowry's rainbow flick and then. I think, is that the one where Harry Pickering scored from outside yeah. the area as well? Same game. Just just goals that you just don't see in League Two. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but as a crew fan, I've enjoyed both teams. Let's be, let's be, uh, yeah. You're I mean, sitting on the fence as well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the presenter. It's my job. It's the other people's guys for opinions. Fair enough, Stuart. Um, right, Luke, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, today. No, thank you. Thank so you. You've been really generous with your time. Um, I think I speak for everyone here and everyone that's going to listen when I say I really do hope you have a cracking season for the Alex this year. Um, and we've all heard it. We heard it from you. We heard it from Charles Grant in our last episode. Playoffs. That's the aim. So, you know, that's what we're going for. Um, Russ, Tim, thank you as ever. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, as I said at the start of this pod, we are now back in the swing of things. We'll be back next Monday with our season preview. Uh, we should be joined by two more special guests that episode. So until next time, goodbye.
Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding. Blue.